I, I should I should leave the door open. Yeah. And those closest to you are the most affected because it seeps into their everyday life so much to the point where they all collectively sigh whenever you make a pun or they start trying to defend themselves with their own puns as a well, defense it, mechanism. And when they do it, you just pun back and completely uh, silence the room. You you ruin everything with these puns. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I like um, – it, it's it's like a gaslighting scenario. Yeah. You know, um, I, I start making these puns when I first meet people, right? And they like them. They think they're funny. Uh, they go along with it like, oh, my God, you're so clever. And then pretty soon they're like, oh, my God, go fuck yourself. It usually takes uh, – sometimes it's a day. Sometimes it's two or three days. Uh, never more than a week. No. Uh, never had that happen with. If somebody. I'm there, it's a couple hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You you definitely accelerate the process just because you're able to you know introduce the uh, truth, the, the puns. Yeah, yeah. But you know the, the the process is that they start to like it, then they start to hate it, but then eventually, after spending enough time around me, uh, they start to make puns themselves without realizing it. They just start, like they say them, and then afterwards, uh, they do one of two things. They either look at me and they're like, Ah, how does it feel? And I'm like, Feels fucking great. Or they do it and then they look at themselves and they question their own life. Uh, and that's when I have them. Uh, because at that point, they can't escape making the puns. It's already it's sort of infested uh, every day of their life, you know? Yeah. And once you get them set in your sights, they're, they're like an animal caught in a trap. You, you've got them. I like to consider myself more of a, a survivalist boatman, uh-huh. if you will. Uh, right. I like to... Uh, catch them right when they're laughing at the first pun you've made it at them. You know, you mm-hmm. just throw course, a pun yeah. at them. I try to be like, hey, don't don't get comfortable laughing at that shit. That that's a dark path you're letting yourself go down. Yeah, you know that. You know the we best part of that this. though. The best part is that by uh, you know telling people about me, you actually make the problem worse. In a way, you're like my right hand man uh, for my pun cult because uh, I'm the angel on the other shoulder, but. You know, nobody wants to listen to the angel. Yeah, well, and it's also like any exposure is good exposure, you know? Um, there is no bad publicity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just th- getting the word out there that you generally cannot be stopped and should be avoided, but that makes the temptation exactly, yeah. all the more real. It's I like s- when you tell people, you know, about the devil, it's sort of, sort of you know, they're sort of intriguing. Uh, you know, people look at that and they're like, oh, my God, I want to fuck the devil. And you're like, OK, yeah, I, I don't know. if It doesn't happen with me. <laughs> Nobody looks at me and thinks that. But the devil. The uh, devil. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's why everybody loves Lucifer. Yeah. Exa- well, that and have you seen that man? Well, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's he's. I don't like that sound. What's wrong with that sound, Trey? Here, let me repeat it and see if you like it better this time. How was that? Worse. Worse. Longer. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another voice crack. What? No. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Turning into a terrifying monster before my very eyes. Yeah, you know, I think I've been playing so much D and D and doing so many different voices that the uh, like sound effects and like the weird voices are starting to replace my regular speech. Yeah, yeah, I really got into the grizzle and I really knew how to get my point across in a scary way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So you must have control over the ticks and how your jaw flaps. Yeah, you know, the voice that's really getting me right now is the, ah, yes, sir, you know, this specific voice is actually one of my favorites. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little it's a little flowy, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, oh, fuck, you know, do I, want to, do I want to sleep with this person? Well, no, obviously not. You look at them. It's an ass kisser. Well, uh, 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 <laughs> yes, and, uh, well, yes. <laughs> you have no argument. No, that. of course not. It's an ass kiss. Uh, you know, some people, uh, we're meant to be that way. You know, it's how we survive in, in society, especially in, you know, like high society and that, that sort of thing, you know. Like a sidekick to the villain, who's like a hype man for the villain. Like exactly. It's like the villain's childhood yes. best friend who's an idiot who's kept around the whole time. You know, and he's like, whoa, man, you've killed a lot of people, but like, I guess that's cool because we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> that That's the exact vibe I get from Yeah, from do, you, do you see them getting like a redemption arc in the end, you know? <laughs> like the villain goes too far and they're like, oh, no, you've, go- you've gone too far this time, buddy. <laughs> You know, we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stab you now to stop you from killing more kids. You know, oh. you have a pile of hundred and fifty right now, and I'm like, man, if it was hundred and forty nine, okay with me, but one fifty? You're done. No, you, you try but but you ultimately fail because it's up to the hero to defeat the villain. But you know, it's like this redemptive moment towards the end. <laughs> right, like, yeah. like But you, you, you get killed. You of get course, killed off. Yeah. Like, you realize you've been on the wrong side this whole time, and you're like, oh, I, I'm going to turn things around now. But maybe you put into motion the events that will lead to the hero winning. Maybe you are just a building block of the hero's journey. Yes, yes. I, I, I can see that. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I, su- I support this this. A, a, a character concept that we've come <laughs> up with. Character concept. Character concept that we've come up with. Oh yes. Oh, 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 oh yes. <laughs> See, it's so much scarier when you do it. It's literally uh, that was my imagining of him descending into hell and turning into like a, a fiery beast. Oh, like getting awarded like a, a place as a demon instead of uh, you know one of the people who's stuck in hell. Yeah. 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 Okay. He doesn't get to just hang out with Hitler. Oh, yeah. Well, he gets to torture Hitler, hopefully. Yeah. Was Hitler given a place in hell because he's so pristinely evil? I feel like the devil's better than that. That's questionable. I don't know, man. You know, like like Satanists, you know? Mm-hmm. I, we love Satanists. They also don't we believe in the devil. Yeah. But, you know, I, I like to think that the devil is not... Uh, not that I believe... Uh, not, I'm an atheist, but let's say, mm. let's say it's real, <laughs> right? Let's say the devil's real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like to believe that he's more, like, vilified uh, and, like, God's sort of the asshole. God's the one that's like, oh, man, you know, these people are going to burn forever, and these people are going to, you know, drink wine and do whatever the fuck they want for eternity. And the devil's like, hey, guys, welcome down here. It's really not that bad. I'm sorry you got fucked over. But there's a certain section, the ones that are, like, actually evil, like the Hitlers and the the Stalins and the Kim Kardashians of the world. Um and, uh, you know, they just get to uh, actually be, be tortured. But everyone else goes to hell. Uh, yeah, like, oh. like, at this fucking point, most people that enjoy their lives are going to hell. What kind of boring, lame fuck is this god and his paradise, in quotations, Yeah, if there's no dope shit happening? Yeah, I mean, we we you know you know I you and I are definitely going to hell, uh, <laughs> and know. it's gonna be fine. That's yeah, where everyone else is going. Yeah. It'll be a good time. 
Listen, we'll get to do whatever the fuck we want. Exactly. You know, we've been drinking and allegedly doing drugs, so it's called, <laughs> since high school. Look, look, uh, look. You know, sodomy gets you there, so, uh, you know, guilty. There, there's so many sins <laughs> that, that, send, that send you to hell. Uh, and, and, yeah, I just can't imagine heaven's a very fun place. No, I'm, I'm sure all that fun shit also ends up in hell. All the weed you smoke, do you think that just goes nowhere? Matter cannot be created or destroyed. So yeah, where does it go? All the weed that we smoke goes to hell or to destroy the atmosphere. Uh, you know, there's, there's two, there's two yeah. sort of options here. I choose mm-hmm. to believe that the weed smoke goes to hell. I choose to believe it goes to hell with me. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be in hell, but at least the weed will also all be in hell yeah <laughs> you'll probably be the the weed gardener in hell you and seth rogan are gonna end up down there just yeah both of you tending a weed garden just getting high as never hell. talking to each other yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> not just <laughs> tending different parts of the garden and occasionally you hear one of our laughs quite often i imagine <laughs> as we're both like listening to a podcast or some shit yeah. <laughs> you're listening to each other's podcasts <laughs> You don't, you've never actually spoken, but yeah. Uh, yeah, you listen to each other's podcasts and laughing. Sometimes we go within like two inches of each other, just backing up back to back, but then we just somehow don't make contact and exactly, then just go yeah. back the other way. And we never knew each other were there, but there's an <laughs> onlooker who like <laughs> gets the whole vibe and yeah, they, they have a deep yeah. understanding of it and they would never um, interrupt either of our uh, shindigs. Yeah, you know, I, I guess that'll depend on whether uh, whether like you get famous or not, you know, because like everyone knows who Seth Rogen is. No, whether or not I'm famous, I, I think uh, I don't think hell discriminates. Well, I hope it does. <laughs> I, I I hope it does. Otherwise, just, we're going there to, to party you. with Hitler and Stalin, and I, I am not about that, man. No, no, I don't want to party with them. I just think you know, it. I think people would discriminate in some sense, but not by money but by severity of why you're in hell. Like, if you're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're just in hell for smoking weed. We're going to hang out over here. Oh, we're like in the, hell like for massive genocide. Yeah. We're going to hang out over here. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, yes, yeah, so like like the, the levels of hell, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, The top yeah. level or, is where us stoners are going to be sitting. You know, you'll kind of naturally, it's like prison. You know, you'll naturally go to your court. I don't think that's how prison works. Well, yeah, you're usually jumped in. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually you just say shanks to meet you, you know? Oh, God, that wasn't even, that was awful. <laughs> Not the pun of the day. Not uh, the pun yeah, I don't of know the if that day. was the pun of the day. No, um, that was the opposite of the pun of the day. That was uh, the, dis- the disgrace of the day. The pun of the night. That's usually uh, pun of the day. Although that one is generally more about like medieval people in armor, um, or Sir Patrick Stewart. I really hate you. What are we here for, Trey? Well, we're here to talk about our movie of the day. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one that, despite its name, uh, it might haunt your dreams. I don't know. It yeah. haunted mine a little bit. A yeah, little bit. I, I mean, I definitely had a had a dream in a similar world or realm. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I, f- I found this movie so fucking inspirational and just like, what a fucking world was created in yeah. this. Like. Yeah, the the movie we're talking about, of course, is uh, is Nightmare Alley. Oh. Um, uh, 
directed by Guillermo del Toro. I almost said Benicio del Toro, and I knew it was wrong, <laughs> which is why Toro. I just was silent there for a mm-hmm. second. I was like, that's not right. That's not <laughs> his name. Uh, Great actor, but no, yeah, yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Oh, man. yeah, amazing. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, you know, and we'd seen some of his movies before. A Shape of Water was a good movie. Uh, it wasn't one my best favorite. Picture, yeah, one best yeah. picture. Uh, it wasn't my it wasn't my favorite that year. I thought it was really yeah. good though. Um, but Nightmare Alley fucking takes the cake. That is the best movie I've seen from Absolutely. not Benicio but Guillermo del Toro. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, it's 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 just fantastic. Uh, so I actually I didn't even know what that movie was until the day that we went to see it. Because I brought it up to you and I was like, all right, we can see this, this, this. I think our options came down to I, I the movies that I was most interested in were Licorice Pizza. And then I brought up Nightmare Alley. Yeah. And you hadn't heard of it. So I pulled up the trailer on my phone. Yeah. And we watched through it real quick. And then you were like, let's go see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is about, but it looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was. It was amazing. So fucking I, good. Fr- from the get go. Um, just like that movie was mind blowing. I, I think it has one of my all time favorite openings to any film. Yeah. Um, spoiler spoiler warning ahead for anyone uh, who hasn't seen the movie. Uh, definitely watch it. But we, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about a lot of aspects of this. But from the get-go, the opening scene of this movie is just uh, is Bradley Cooper's character silently in a building dragging a body into a hole in the middle of the building and then lighting the entire thing on fire around him while he's standing there calmly mm-hmm. and casually strolling out. And it's then the, insane. And then it just goes into a whole story that has nothing to do with that. Like, at, at all. You're, like, but... And he do, he doesn't even talk for the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. The first 15 minutes of the movie, he says absolutely nothing. Yeah, but, like, the the beginning of the movie outside of that, like, what happens in the plot after that isn't... Uh, it's it's not, like, crazy, but the, just the fact that they opened with that makes everything that happens after that so intense. Because the whole time you're like, what the fuck is this dude going to do? Because he started with, with burning a body in a house down. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. It's it's like a it's like a heart pumping opening, and I I think it was it was brilliant because without that uh, that whole first section of the movie I wouldn't know what to think. Um, I, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it gives you the only insight they give you into his character before you follow him on what he does next, going to this carnival and just kind of wandering through this place silently absorbing everything, taking everything in so that he knows how to reflect it outward. And I love that in this movie they did something that Paul Thomas Anderson does in a lot of his movies, which is, I'm going to show you who this character is in the first scene. You're not going to understand until the movie's over, but I'm showing you everything in the first scene. Yeah, totally. Like, Like Looking back on it, what that first scene tells me is that that is a man who is totally fine burning the entire world around him mm-hmm. uh, and, and just moving on without a care. Yeah. Uh, and you don't realize that's what it's telling you at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, this dude's a mur- like a murderer probably, but you're not, you're not sure. You don't see him kill anybody. Uh, but mm-hmm. you, you just learn so much about him in the first 30 seconds, and he never says a word. Absolutely. It's absolutely remarkable. And... The way that the film continues this idea of circles, you know, there's the circle in the ground, there's so many circles in the set design, and the story itself is circular. I mean, yeah, jumping way ahead to the ending, 
again, spoiler alerts for those who haven't yet seen. Um, that last shot yeah, brings us all the way back to the beginning. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, the, uh, describe the last moment, like everything yeah. with the geese. <clears throat> so essentially, um, Bradley Cooper's character has reached his lowest point and he accepts the role of the geek that was described at the beginning of the film by Willem Dafoe's character, Clem. And there's a moment where he fully accepts himself, I think. And yeah. there is tears that turn into almost desperate laughter and like true acceptance in his face. It's Guillermo del Toro described the whole movie as a prologue to that moment. Yeah, you know, when you said that to me, that that was crazy. It blew my mind, but yeah, that's absolutely fair. It's mm-hmm. that is like the, the the climax of his life. That's the climax of his character, the very very end. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, everything else is just build up to that. It's backstory, mm-hmm. um, which which is madness. I, I love when uh, when shows and movies do that, and they don't tell you until it's over that it's backstory. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know how they wrap up how the body was his father and. Mm-hmm what he did and how that is a defining characteristic to his character throughout the whole story, his relationship with older men and how that relationship and what he did to end it has taunted him and isolated him into being pigeonholed into who he is. Yeah. Which is a geek. I mean, the whole movie is about how we can be endlessly cruel to each other. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, one of the most interesting things is he's a character who is he doesn't have a lot of like empathy um, or sympathy for other people. Mm-hmm. He's he's all out for himself, only his own goals and desires, uh, with one exception. Earlier in the movie, um, when uh, when Willem Dafoe's character describes the process for creating a geek, uh, which is a pretty horrifying process, uh, it's the only time you see him have sympathy for someone. You see him kind of shocked and horrified when Willem Dafoe is describing this. And when they drop the geek off at the hospital, he's like, we're just going to leave him here? He, he he constantly is showing sympathy for people in the geek role. Mm-hmm. And I think he, at one point, gave him some food or got him a drink or something uh, yeah. when they're in the back of the carnival. But Yeah, when the geek's in the cage, he, he mm-hmm. brings him uh, some food and, mm-hmm. and is uh, kind to him. Uh, yeah. The only one who's kind to him. Or even really acknowledges that uh, that the geek is human, which is crazy. The only one, yeah, yeah. Guillermo del Toro, man, his he has such a wonderful depth of knowledge over all the worlds he creates. Like people on set talk about, like the fact that he knows his world better than anyone. He yeah. invests his own money and. He you know he does his he does a lot of his own makeup too makeup design really like he storyboards all of his movies he's he goes off this guy he's yeah. a brilliant man and he has a great circle of filmmakers that work with him as well including Alfonso Cuarón mm-hmm. and um um Alejandro Gonzalez and Aritu. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Were they involved in sh- in Nightmare, uh, Nightmare Alley? Alley. They, oh, I didn't know they're that. They're in awesome. the special thanks section because they would come into the editing room and watch a cut or so, or like some scenes or something, and they would 
be really blunt. I mean, he said Alfonso Cuaron was even more blunt because they're like brothers at this point. They've seen a lot of each other's yeah. work. And, you know, uh, Guillermo del Toro is also close with James Cameron. And, yeah. like, uh, he has a very tight circle of filmmakers, and he's very open about his work. Yeah, th- that's that's sort of, like, like blunt uh, honesty and uh, feedback is amazing. Oh, yeah. As an artist, totally it's, it's the best. It's um, especially it has to be from someone that you trust for you to take it like fully, fully 100 percent. Well, non defensively. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so easy. Like when you like do something and you like care about it to just uh, when someone tries to criticize you, you're just like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's easy for me to do that with you in real life, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, you know, with anything that you tell me because I ignore all your advice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I give awful advice. Yeah, absolutely. The things that you tell me to do would tank my life really oh, fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they they take mine. But, you know, that's part of what this movie is about also because, you know, this fucker thinks he has so much that he has to he aspires to be, but at the same time, he is completely rejecting who he is at heart. And everything he does is insincere and he's yeah. always one step away from losing everything. Yeah, and he he's willing to to risk it all to get farther and never be happy where he is. Exactly. Uh, there's so many points uh, within the movie where he could choose to not take it farther, and he could probably live like a happy, content life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, he was doing really well in the carnival. He could have stayed there and be happy with them. Um, totally. He was doing really well as a as a performing psychic. But uh, he pushed it. Yeah, he pushed it, and he pushes it farther and farther and farther every time. And because it, success it, is never enough. In fact, success only makes you think you can have more. Yeah, I you know, I even saying it like that, it's probably also I mean it's a metaphor for um greed and wealth. Like mm-hmm. people once when you get rich, uh so many people can't just accept where they are. That's I mean that's why billionaires exist because they just get more and more and more mm-hmm. and more and more. This whole the whole story is a rags to riches to rags. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah back back to that circle imagery you were mentioning. Exactly. Um, he yeah, he starts out with with nothing. He doesn't have uh any money to his name whatsoever at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you know, he begins to build up. He builds a life and he gets better and better and richer and more powerful and more successful and respected and it just keeps going up and you know, during the movie there's times where you're like rooting for him, but you can also just feel the inevitable fall. Mm-hmm. Uh just because he would never give up. Exactly. You can you can feel it from the moment he starts sabotaging and pretending to be something he he wasn't. Yeah. Um and I think it's also really interesting that in the city he's constantly having these confrontations with people and all the sets are shaped like alleyways. Yeah. They're all these alleyway confrontations. They're all a little claustrophobic and tight. Mm-hmm. And He's like a trapped animal who has to find his way out. And yeah, he has to get progressively scrappier. Yeah, and I think he feels like he always he can only go forward or back. Uh, he and doesn't. He's not going back. Yes, yeah. of the guilt, justifiably. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but he ends up uh, n- not only in the same place he was, but in a worse place. Uh, he ends up as the the thing that he was sympathetic of and almost uh, afraid of at the beginning something he saw himself in and at first an innocent sense and then just like a true sense like i don't know it's crazy also to think that willem dafoe's first day was the uh 
the day he just showed up and gave the geek monologue. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That was his first day. He just walked in and gave that monologue, and holy shit, that monologue. And I think that made it easy for Bradley Cooper to kind of feel that sympathy and feel, oh, fuck, that yeah. is this person. It's somebody who's in the nightmare alley way. Yeah. Somebody who's lost their way. Uh, Willem Dafoe, by the way. <sighs> Fucking brilliant. No one's better. <laughs> best <laughs> he, in the game. Best in the game. He, he's he's certainly one of the, the best actors I've ever seen. Every role he's in, he just... He fills up the whole screen. Uh, all attention is on him, always. And you know, he. I, you know, I think the first thing I ever saw him in uh, was Spider Man when we were little kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Look at this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Finally, full circle. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Comes back to it. that and uh, him and Boondock Saints, also one of oh, my yeah. favorite roles ever. Yeah. Just a weird character that absolutely takes up the screen and and just just captures your attention. Yeah. I. I, I Willem Dafoe is just excellent in anything. I mean, going back to his early works in, like, Platoon, he just fucking stole the show. And, you know, more recently, I I fucking, you know, The Lighthouse. Oh, Oh The Lighthouse. What a heavy hitter performance that was. On both parts. Robert Pattinson as well. Yeah. But, yeah, Willem Dafoe is just one of the best around. Yeah, one thing we got to talk about in this movie also. Another another, uh, actor, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Wow. Wow! Uh, Every scene between her and and Bradley Cooper was just sparks. It was incredible. Oh yeah, the the amount of tension, uh, the amount going on that we had no idea about. Yeah, no, like every every moment between them just had such. uh, It it just had a cord, a tension Mm -hmm. that could be cut with a cut with a knife. Yeah, It, it was electrifying every moment, and it was staged so beautifully. Yeah, and lit so well as well it just added such a level of mystery to everything yeah probably my favorite shot in the whole film uh, i mean the ending shot is <laughs> might be tied with this but uh just like visually speaking my favorite shot in the film was when bradley cooper and kate blanchett's character are sitting on the therapist bed back to back and the only light sources are the the outside moonlight uh, which is lighting her up and his back, and then the firelight, which is just sort of edging uh, his left side. Yeah, it's, it was beautiful. So gorgeous, and it just like it showed the um, the tension and beauty that their their kind of fucked up relationship had. It really did, and I also thought it was otherworldly at mm-hmm. times. You know, the way that she could coax him into doing things, mm-hmm. so. And she was so fucking commanding with her voice and her stillness. That's something about Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Her stillness and her strength and the way that she can look completely still, but there's still like a flare in her eyes. Yeah. That just says something. It's like almost audible the way she looks at people. Yeah. She is so fucking brilliant. She's but so fucking Rumi brilliant. Rumi Mara is brilliant in the complete other way in that yeah. she's like also really good at being still and really good at showing emotion, but there wasn't as much of a fierceness as a pure innocence. The yeah. only good thing in this dark world. She, she is the only good truly character. good character. Exactly. There's a, there's a number of other characters at the carnival that I would say are like neutral. Like they're not good, but they're not bad. Decent. Yeah, they're decent. But she is good and she's pure and she just got fucking manipulated by Bradley Cooper's character. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. I, honestly, I think both Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett could easily win Oscars for their performances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those uh, are totally worthy of that. And I think it's my favorite performance I've seen from both those actors. Yeah, I mean, I fucking love Kate Blanchett. I also thought she was amazing back when she did The Aviator, and I think she played Audrey Hepburn, and her yeah. dialect for that was just impeccable. Uh, she did the, like, uh, Mid-Atlantic yeah uh voice and you know it was just like she's an old movie star and i'm sure that's also why guillermo cast her in this because it's like you know it's like a a noir wrapped in a character study totally yeah. and she fits that like old style movie actress mold so well yeah like i think guillermo del toro is also considering releasing a black and white version i personally love the color too much and would yeah. never sacrifice that i agree it, it has that simple uh like warm and cool contrast it's, yeah. it's something it's used a lot in hollywood mm -hmm. but it's uh when it's used stylistically like it was in this movie it's just beautiful well guillermo del toro has been using that vibe for a while mm -hmm. and he actually found it in this other film he did, one of his first movies called Kronos, I believe. Mm, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's in Spanish. Okay. And basically, he found it in like one of the last shots he did on that movie. And yeah. was like, whoa, that's my vibe. Yeah. But it's not in the rest of that movie. One, one cool color thing uh, going along with that contrast, because they had that like most of the film mm -hmm. uh, during its scenes. When he goes back to the carnival at the end of the movie... Or um, the other carnival? Yeah, the other carnival. Mm -hmm. um, at the well, it's, I mean, I guess it's the same carnival, but different people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when he, when he goes there, uh, all of the not all, but most of the color has been taken out, and it shows like it's a gray, bleak world. Like all of the the beauty that he saw in the world um, is is gone, mm -hmm. uh, and he just has this hyper hyper focus and fixation on on darkness now. Yeah, uh, it's it's beautiful and it's tragic looking at. They, they also took out the music for um for that mm -hmm. scene, so it's just like quiet, ambient, real life, and all like the magic that that he felt is gone, and it's it's uh, it goes into that last shot, yeah. which is just heartbreaking. It, it and it's almost like he was on the last ride that circuses will have. Yeah, you know, like that was the end of the circus popularity. So yeah. yeah. No, th this movie, uh, I know you, you've watched it three times now, right? Yeah. I, I only watched it the once, uh, but I would definitely watch it again. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it's amazing. I, I fully, so fully, we gave a lot of spoilers. So, you know, as we said at the beginning, spoilers, you should have watched it beforehand. Uh, <laughs> you dumb bitch. There was a but warning. There was a warning. There were two warnings, actually. Um, Make it three. Yeah, you've been three. warned. You've been warned at the end uh, <laughs> when you can no longer go back. Uh Whatever it is, you should go watch this. I think it is Guillermo del Toro's best work. Absolutely. Uh, I would more. not be surprised if it won Best Picture or at least got a nomination. Yeah. Uh, I really hope it does because it fucking deserves it. Yeah, me too. One of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah, one of the best theater experiences that mm -hmm. wasn't a fucking Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah and we love Marvel movies. We love them. Um, but, uh, it's, it's nice it's, for something different. Yeah, it's cool to see some uh, like really artsy cinema that isn't uh isn't quite such in popular demand yeah uh all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go now oh yeah cool all right bye hey hey could, um could could you leave the door open why just do it okay